Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, January 8th, and we have reached that time of the year where the NFL is slowing down and the NBA is ramping up, and there's no better way than The Advantage is going to handle that change than by adding in a new weekly show called Check Ball. I am going to be joined by an old guest who's been missing for a while, but I am very excited to welcome him back. We'll break that down after the intro. But before we get started on our new Check Ball series, where we are just going to check in with the basketball and NBA world pretty much every week, 40-minute show, hit a few topics, and then keep it moving. Uh, before we get started, let me remind everyone to rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to to watch the show on the Fantasy Basketball International YouTube channel and to check out their website as well. And of course, to sign up for the fiddlespicks.substack.com newsletter where I send out free gambling picks and write-ups, weekly giveaways, DFS contests, and so much more. Again, fiddlespicks.substack.com is the best place to find all of my content. I am very excited to be launching check ball. We have so like five or six topics deep right now that I I just let's let's get it going. I'm the type to get shit done. You the type to observe. March madness on my speakers, but today's November 23rd. Got something loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny and tan. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. That's all that I need. Come my brothers with me. Come my brothers with me. Everyone's like, who's the guest that he's bringing back? Everyone's like, the OGs who have been with the advantage for pretty much the full two years are just hoping right now. They're all in their seats, listening, doing whatever they are, running on their treadmill, going, please be AV, please be AV, please be AV. The newcomers are happy to finally meet as we welcome him back after pretty much a football season off because this is the guy I talk hoops with. He is the co-host of Check Ball Every Week. We call him AV on the show. Austin Vernon, welcome the fuck back. How you doing, my man? Let's go. It's good to be back. Dude, your intro is hype. I, I thought I was excited to talk ball, and now I just want to go hoop. Like, that that intro is great. The song is great. I... This is the best time of the year. Ready to put football on the back burner and focus on ball every single night. So what did I do? I sent you one, two, three, four, five, six topics. Kind of more of them because they all have a few yep. questions within them. You Do you want to pick where we start? Yeah, I mean, I know where I want to start. Uh, these are my favorite conversations. Rank them one through four. Ja Morant, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell. It's the first question you sent me. I've been thinking about it for a while. And the hardest with these is you'll send me topics in advance, and then both of us will try so hard not to text the other person about it so that it's like an organic conversation. And it's so hard because now I just want to talk to you about this all week. So I I've been waiting on this. I hope that's where you want to start. My text verbatim said, rank them, don't answer now, before I even yeah. got to the names, because of course we want to answer immediately. Um, I, this is obviously the place to start, and it obviously made the list, because 
you're not you're not the biggest social media person where we are people who talk in real life very often so you don't see all my tweets i've been loud on twitter av about morant over halliburton and now people wow. are asking me why i've been hating on halliburton so much i'm not hating on halliburton but part of me likes guys who are just big game stamped and i'm not ready to super elite somebody who's been doing it for 30 50 games like how many games have we gone in this season what's the pacers record like 20 and 15 or whatever 35 nearly 40 games uh he they were a middling five seed last year uh while halliburton was healthy and then they fell off in january when he was injured so maybe another 30 or 40 games so okay he's got 60 plus games of being great that's not even one full season we have seen him do some big things for Team USA where they underperformed. We have not seen anything in the playoffs. We saw it in the new in-season tournament. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I'm not anti-Halliburton. The dude is fucking amazing. Like, turnover, assist-to-turnover ratio, ability to space the court, uh, play in, in with pace. Uh, I think he's got the tools to be a bit better on defense because of his length. I think he has versatility to switch positions on defense. So I am I'm very in on Halliburton. I put him in a lock for this upcoming year's Team USA, an eventual conversation we'll need to have on check ball. But I wasn't big game stamping him over Morant, who's delivered two two seats in the West. Or you mean like Morant knocked out Steph Curry in a play-in game. Like De'Aaron Fox locked in a three seed in the West. So Donovan Mitchell has locked in ones and twos. For me, A.V., Halliburton came in last on this list. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I think last is is pretty wild because we might even have flipped lists, and we do tend to think kind of so similarly that I'm I'm often looking for our differences. So this is great that we're so different to start. I think the thing that makes this the hardest is, is a great point you made is that I've seen more of Tyrese this than I have of all three of those guys combined. And it's, it's not just the jaw suspension or the Donovan Mitchell injuries because Fox hasn't been hurt and he's been killing it, putting up 29 plus a game. He's really improved his, uh, his pull up three they're, they're winning, you know, what are they, four or five in the in the West and in the same group as the other two through five seeds? I, th- I think it's just so hard because we've seen Tyrese shine this year so much. I, I know we'll talk about the in-season tournament later, but I think it's, it's, it's too big of a deal not to mention that there's only been, you know, four or five meaningful games this season, and those have all been the in-season tournament, and Tyrese was the star of that. It, he, he's, he's been a freak. They're, he's on the best offense in the league. They're putting up crazy numbers so his gaudy assist totals are are eye-catching um but i i will agree with you it doesn't matter the same way that playoff success matters and and to that same point you know only one of these four guys have put on superstar playoff performances and that's not even josh i had one superstar play in performance donovan donovan has had superstar 40 50 point i'm gonna win i haven't forgotten them yeah so again I've seen the least from him during this regular season, and he still has to be, you know, sort of two, three on your list, depending on what you think. But just, yeah, just so that we're, I, we don't keep anyone waiting, for me right now, it's Tyrese, Ja, Donovan, and Fox. And it kills me to put Fox last. But the biggest thing is, I don't think it's close which two of those have the most potential. It's still Tyrese and Ja. 
I was debating between Fox and Morant number one. And then yeah. the other night I saw Fox wipe the floor with Morant and the Kings smash the Grizzlies. So I said, all right, Fox has it right now. And I'm very quick to switch it. Like again, going yeah. back to Halliburton, if he does something this year, I'll put him at number one. Like I don't, I'm not gonna, we're not take locking any of these things. This is right now. What have you done for me? Uh, I'm going Fox right now. One Morant two, Mitchell three, Halliburton four. Wow. I look, I, I respect it. It's, it's, it's what have you shown me in the playoffs and big games? Tyrese has had the least opportunity to show you things because he's been on trash teams so far, but I think a lot of people would have told you he's on a trash team this year. So the fact that, you know, they went to the finals of the in-season tournament, the fact that their offense is so good right now with such limited pieces, it, it means something, but I'm, I'm with you. The regular season's very different than the playoffs. Show me something in the playoffs. And, and I have seen things from Fox, even though, you know, they didn't, they didn't make it as far last year as some people would like as a two seed. I know I've seen things from Donovan and, and Ja is, I'm going to even go beyond the playoffs. He's a game changer. He came back that first game, put the team on his back, game winner, the culture changed, the morale changed. Like, I, I don't know how many other players in the league have that kind of an effect when they come back their first game? Like Memphis was dead in the water and then it went to, Oh, all they need to do is make the playoffs. And like, who knows what happens with this team? I said it immediately. Memphis to make the play in was a sneaky long shot ticket. Cause it was like not 13 to one. And then now they're six and three in Morant's return. Let me ask you a few other names real quick. Yeah. And I'm not asking you to rank these guys against them. I'm asking you, do these players belong in the same discussion or are they still a tier below? Does Trey Young belong in this discussion? Uh, not right now. Not right now. Because all I've seen from him was that that one playoff run where he beat the Knicks and then they they made the run. I think they beat Philly. Um, and, and they were nice, but they, he just hasn't been playing winning basketball for so long. Still such a liability defensively. That's a team that, you know, a lot of people had making a run this year to, you know, be somewhere five to eight and maybe win a round. And now I think they have to be having conversations of, do we want to toss in the towel and get picks? So it's, it's so hard for me to put someone in that tier who is doing so little to affect winning, whether that's on him, Quinn Snyder, DeJounte, the whole team chemistry, whatever. Trey's not there right now. And and it's it goes back to really the theme of this whole conversation, see, uh, this whole conversation, which is the NBA is a what have you done for me recently league. And not only hasn't he done it for me recently in the that. playoff, it's it's been too long. I mean, do okay. you have Trey in that? Uh, potential is no. there. I'm not giving no, up. Said, but no, I sent you the list right of four names. You know who I have in the list. Does, does yeah. Jalen Brunson or does Tyrese Maxey belong in this conversation? <sighs> Tyrese Maxey, I, 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 I'm putting in the conversation in terms of potential in a similar – Vane, we've seen so little from him, like Tyrese, in meaningful games. So I, I, I can't say yes or no on him yet. And and Jalen Brunson to me is is such a good fit there. So out kicking his coverage, even if he doesn't have the physical skills and and talents that some of these other guys have, if he keeps affects affecting winning like that, I, yeah, I, I think Jalen is more. He's in a perfect fit for himself, and he's maximizing his talent. Where the four that you named for me are superstars anywhere. I mean, right, look. Yeah, go ahead. Last one. Bringing this guy down because it hasn't been there this year. Has Booker entered yeah, this conversation more than the SGA and Tatum conversation? 
Yeah, I, I knew you were going to put Book there. And to me, no. So I, I still remember what he did in the playoffs. The incredible efficiency on the high volume. And more importantly, you remember that he actually locked down and defended. So now you're talking about your primary ball handler and offensive initiator actually being a 6'5 lockdown defender who tries so hard. Like, I know some people are pro and anti how much shit he talks and 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 all that on the court. But I, I think it matters so much that he's willing to put himself out there and try so hard. Defense defense is effort. And this dude is caring and trying so much. It's been a, such a weird year from Phoenix that I'm, I'm not ready to make a judgment on him as an individual based on that. Um, but I think the two that you asked me about, Book and Jalen Brunson, kind of tie into what I wanted to follow up with you about here because those are on opposite ends of the spectrum for me in terms of does it matter because can a small guard lead a team to win anyway? I know I'm sort of piggybacking on Becky Hammond's take where she shit on Brunson because she didn't think that you know a 6'1", 6'2", guard could be the number one guy on an NBA championship team, but she could be right about this. I, like someone with... Jaw with incredible defense behind him. Okay, I can get behind it. Someone with Tyrese, who's sort of doing so much offensively and is long, like you said, paired with a crazy good coach like Carlisle, I, I could get behind it. Fox, the number one guy? I don't know. Ooh. So if you're saying your number if, you one. Switched, if you switched Fox with Morant with an awesome defense behind him, you would now say Memphis is not in contention? It's it's similar to me, but for me, no, because Ja gives you so much from a culture standpoint, from like a, this team believes if they can get a stop and they can just put the ball in this dude's hand and get out the way, that's a winnable game plan. I Again, I, I think De'Aaron might have it in him. I don't know if he has that dog in him yet. I haven't seen it yet. His I know this is unfair to me, but his crazy clutch numbers, his finishing at the rim numbers, his improvement in the pull-up game, I got to see it in the playoffs. Oh, I know the that – the numbers on his threes is a huge improvement. It's, it's a huge improvement. And it's something that the, the haters on Fox after his first two years pointed to and said, yeah, but you're never going to get that from a guy like Fox. You're never going to have him be that kind of sniper, whether it's catch and shoot or off the dribble. And he's he's bringing you both. So I, I didn't expect that. So I could be wrong about this. And your tier is right. Like these are the four guys I have in this tier right now. Um, I just think there's a, a slight split right now between crazy potential and really the unbelievable of what they've already shown me because look, Donovan Mitchell is tears above them. What he's already done in the playoffs. I'm checking out his free throw percentage. Cause that's the only other thing. It Fox was low. Yep. It was low. Struggled with. It's, uh... Yeah. And it, you know, it's a big deal. You have, you have two high usage guys like Sabo and Fox who are getting to the line a good amount and both subpar free throw shooters. That's, that hurts you. You know, that that makes you feel less confident in, down the stretch, and that's when it matters. He is shooting 72%, which is essentially where he's at for his career. It's on the higher end, but that's still, that's not good enough. So that's the one thing Fox has left to improve in his game. But I think I'd probably say Morant and, and those guys around him, Donovan Mitchell and Tyrese would be elite free throw shooters. Anyways, all right. Exactly. Coach on the hottest seat right now, AV. Me and you love to talk NBA coaching and get real nerdy with our discussion about rotations and matchup choices and initiating different looks. Let's go the other way. Yeah. Who's seen burning the most? 
I, you know, I prefer talking about how much of a genius Spo is, but this year has been about who has underperformed coaching wise. And so the easy ones are Darvin Han and Adrian Griffin, who like at times, whether it's like their facial expression and the way they look or the skids that they're going on with the incredible talent look like they're not in the right place. Look like they were a poor choice, which is kind of crazy to say. So like Adrian Griffin that team is still in second in the East and people are still like, what's going on. So something is the matter. They went from, you know, a top three defense in the league to kind of changing between what they're doing defensively between starting in the league and, and trying to go over. And now they're playing drop coverages, letting up big numbers, even though you still have guys like Giannis and, uh, and Brooke, and it doesn't make as much sense. I, I know they're still winning, um, but Giannis in the press conference is too saying things like, all of us need to be better from coaching to the guy washing my jerseys. Like it's, it's a bad vibes over there. And that starts with your coach. And it, it almost feels like they're not sure that he can handle the moment and that this is obviously their window. And if you miss one year because you made a bad coaching hire, that's a big mistake and you have to move on immediately. Um, so Darvin that's, Ham's, yeah, go ahead. That, that's where I was going to get with is like Darvin Ham, we can get to in a sec, but do, do the Bucks have the, guts to fire adrian griffin already or not give him one season to ride it out because we're going to get someone most likely who gets fired mid-season that's generally how these things work so i'm wondering to me i completely agree i've had multiple discussions with people where i'm like it's a problem like the coaching there is a problem they should fire him and just bring in terry stotts they should yeah. just like bring back budenholzer like the, this i said it literally on the last podcast that if they were still running Coach Bud's scheme defensively, there's no way they would have lost, what, three or four to the Pacers already this season. And there's, like, the, there was this weird article that came out or weird story that came out that, like, the, like, the mid, like, it was like the 11th or 12th game or, like, a few weeks into the season the whole team just asked Griffin to change defensive yeah. systems back to drop coverage. And he obliged and he's like, yeah, the players no, really know basketball too. And blah, blah, blah. Like that's a huge problem. If the coach identified the completely wrong defensive system to run, there's so many built up, even culture issues, not even the X's and O's. He would get waxed by Spo and the heat in a playoff series right now. Uh, I, I would mean, take I, could, the I couldn't agree more at plus odds in no brainer in two seconds immediately if if they matched up against one another um but i just don't know if he's going to get fired mid-season because it's his first year i mean i i would pay to be a fly on the wall right he's a Giannis guy obviously he brought him in I, i don't think Giannis is the kind of guy who would ego wise be tied to that pick you know who feel like it was right. on him to bring oh, him in. he has to keep him i think Giannis more than most would be like i made a mistake he's the wrong call let's move on i now. think Giannis would be quick to eat it and it's almost yeah seems body language wise seems ready to be like let's move on i mean i think the conversation that the gms with Giannis should be having is what's the bigger downside here is is it a bigger problem if we keep adrian griffin Give him actually a chance for at a year, year and a half, because a lot of times coaches do need time to get their feet under them. This is his first coaching job, needs to feel that confidence like the team believes in him, needs to find his his style. Um, is, is it a bigger issue if they miss out on a good 
Adrian Griffin coach in a year and a half and, uh, and, and hire someone now, or is it a bigger deal if they leave him and miss out on a year and a half in their window? And there's no chance and it's a no doubt in my mind. It's a bigger deal if they don't move on from him because windows are always shorter than teams think they really went all in on this window with Dame. We saw the Carlisle Tyrese Halliburton combo give Dame and Adrian the business. I know that's not fair to throw Adrian in on there, but look, it's, it's already seems to me like it's not working out. You can move on from him. It's not a big deal to admit like you're wrong because you have so many other pieces in place. Don't let this be the reason you don't win. Do you think Darvin Ham gets fired midseason? I think that's so much more up to LeBron. I, I know that, you know, we joke about Le GM, but to me, if, if he feels like Darvin's not the issue and there are other problems and it is injuries, it is rotations, then he stays. It's Darvin's press, com- press conferences have also been weird to me where he's putting the blame on other people. And he, he, again, was another guy who started his career saying, you know, I'm new to this, but I know defense. I know LeBron. I'm going to give Westbrook a chance. I'm going to be a people person, blah, blah, blah. And now it's like he's one year in and he's like jaded giving these press conferences like, oh, it's not on me. It's like the injuries. It's like, you know, you know what you're doing here you know what you signed up for i have two others to include yeah who you got monty has to make the list because of the Uh, disaster that is detroit and it he's not going to get fired because of the contract situation but he should be the coach on the hottest seat he should not have that job it should be kevin ollie's as someone who watched that story very closely this offseason because i found a weird betting market where you could bet on next coach odds and i thought there was some great value so i bet these markets pretty hard and then i followed the story really closely do you know what happened with kevin ollie av i know he was hot for a while and they wanted him i don't know why they ended up going uh, in a different direction let me explain yeah go ahead. they interviewed ollie multiple times their owner is gores their gm is oh my god i don't know why it's blanking troy weaver uh so Weaver wanted to hire Kevin Ollie. They had multiple interviews, met with the owner. Ollie is getting ready to accept the job, leaves the his head coaching position as at overtime elite. That's where he was previously. So a great development coach to bring into a young Pistons team. He was, you know, won a title with UConn and then was developing these NBA G League players who were doing pretty well in the NBA. So they wanted to go Kevin Ollie. Gore's the owner really wanted Monty Williams and offered Monty Williams the job like twice. He said no both times. They kept re-interviewing Kevin Ali. Ali leaves Overtime Elite, posts to Instagram. You can still go see that Instagram post. There's all these Detroit uh, Pistons fans commenting, welcome to Detroit, welcome to Detroit, mm-hmm. welcome to the Motor City. Everyone's praising Kevin Ali, getting ready for it. And then at the last second, Gores slams the phone and goes, no, let's offer him whatever he wants and bring in Monty Williams. So Monty Williams coming from a situation where the culture was toxic with his number one, former number one pick in DeAndre Ayton. Like you can't have that situation happen with a number one pick on a rookie contract playing a big role in a potential title team right before he's supposed to get an extension. And then you bring in Monty. He doesn't want to be there. Like, the players know that. The players know he turned down the job multiple times. If you had brought in Kevin Ollie and, like, completely invigorated this team and brought in someone that they all that all wanted to be there and grow a culture together, it's not even about X's and O's at that point. Like, I think that would have been 
so much of a better fit. So I think I don't think Monty's going to be fired, but he needs to be on the hot seat. You want to hear so what my? I, Go ahead. Yeah. So I, I I had one comment about Monty. I put a little asterisk under, and I said the losing his coach the furthest from the hot seat, Monty. And obviously the main reason is like you discussed, his contract is too crazy to move on from. Too many years, too much money. It would be such a bad look. But it's it's even more than that when you're. When you're losing like this, I know they didn't expect to win and make the playoffs. When you're losing like this, you need a coach who can keep your team from committing team suicide. You need a good vibes guy. And I know that we're like long removed from Monty being like the NBA darling because of everything that happened with in his personal life with his, his wife and being loved yep. and supported and all that. But we're not that far from that. And this is a guy who can do the life is bigger than basketball conversation. And when guys are coming into the locker room feeling at their lowest of lows, he can actually be like, guys, there's more to it than this. There's a long play here and he can keep people involved. And the fact that I see Cade coming out and caring so much, even when they're on the crazy losing streak, even when his efficiency is down, I, that means something to me. It's a pro. I know it's crazy because they are one of the biggest disappointments. Whoa, the team. Yeah, I but I, I, yeah, I, I think they can. I, I know, I know they need him, so they sort of don't have a choice. So they better get on board with my take, you know. But I, I sort of think that. That that's that's or, their best hope. Bring in new players because the coach. I agree. The coach isn't going anywhere. The second losing his coach would be the second player. The coach that I'd say is the furthest from the hot seat, Popovich. But the guy that I was going to say yeah. is sub- sneakily on the hot seat. Av JV Bickerstaff. Yeah, well, and, that I like. We both think that. We talk about that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We could just. We don't need to belabor it, but. If the Donovan Mitchell rumors are creeping up and Cleveland would do anything to keep those four together and keep Donovan to grow with Garland and Mobley. And there's no way they're trading Donovan at the deadline. They're going to go into another playoffs with him and try and get healthy and winning the first playoff series since LeBron left would be huge for Cleveland. And they had a weak performance in, in the East last year against the Knicks, but maybe they catch fire. And maybe they encourage him to stay. And maybe Mobley takes a huge step this off season. There's no way that they're trading Donovan Mitchell. And if you need to shake something up right now, JB's on the hot seat. Um, I'm wholly with you. There are two moves they can make. They can move on from JB or they can trade Jared Allen. They have to do one of them before Donovan Mitchell gets a chance to move on from them. Jared Allen's playing amazing. He is playing amazing, which is why it's a great time to trade him. And there are teams that could really use him, especially out West. I know that's a crazy take. Get rid of JB. Even even with my Jared Allen trade proposition, my, my preference there, move on from JB. It's not working. Send Jared Allen to JB's former team, the Grizzlies, to fill that Steven Adams role. Again. Ooh, okay. That brings us to our perfect next topic. Trade market check-in. Now, this is completely open-ended, AV. Player you think will get traded, a team that you want to look to make an upgrade, a player that you want to find a new home, literally anything trade-related, go. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is is the, the least sexy part, which I just want to see Levine and Siakam out of there because it's like they're two dead zone teams. I couldn't care less about Chicago. I know we talked about teams like Detroit that are losing and losing. There's no team that I care less about than Chicago. They're That's going sad. nowhere. I care about it is, the Bulls. It's so sad that they're a real franchise. Jordan got us into the game. It's it is sad, but it has so much to do with with uh, Lonzo Ball's injury, with them not really working out, Vucevic, whatever it is. Get Levine out of there. I almost don't care where he goes. I just need to see him somewhere new, and I need to even hear less about the Bulls. And Siakam, you know, I will care about Toronto again because I think the trade they made to get rid of OG is actually really interesting. 
Um, I like their building around Scotty, but again, they're in limbo till they move on from Siakam. So it's another team that it's like, you need to move them out of purgatory. So we know what they're going to be. The season's getting late. Please do it now. Uh, and then, you know, in, in terms of who would be interesting, I actually do think Jared Allen is interesting because it's, it's both sides. I want to see Cleveland shake it up. And I think there's a couple teams at West like Memphis that could really use this big man, even even if he's not the perfect playoff fit for teams that are thinking championship, it's a long season. You will need him in the regular season, and there are series where you will be able to play him well in the playoffs. So I, those are mine. I yeah, Give me someone kind of out of left field because I think Levine and Siakam are so boring there. You are you looking for destinations for them, or are you thinking? No, get, give me another player because I, I look. I I want to see Levine and Siakam out of there, but it's mostly because if you turn on you know the media at any given time, it's them two being talked about who's going to be traded. So I'm I'm tired. I want to get them out of there. My team that I wanted to make an upgrade, I was going to go Grizzlies because of the nice. way that their salary cap is structured. I've talked about it a bit on this pod, but considering Bain's extension kicks in next year. And they have Jackson and Smart on descending deals. And Morant missed first team all or all NBA last season and getting the escalator. And then he had this suspension, which cost another fraction of his contract. They saved 48 million there. Bain hmm. is really cheap until next year. They tried to offer three first round picks for OG Ananobi and bring in uh, another piece. They need to bring in somebody and then go over the cap with them in the future. So I actually think that Jared Allen comment before is sneakily very interesting if the Cavs are trying to mix it up I don't really know who interesting the the Grizzlies have to ship out for one of those things beyond picks right now and I don't think the Cavs just want picks right now I think they'd want some some talent so I was thinking like you want to hear what my crazy thought was yeah yes do we get DeAndre Ayton because it's not working out in Portland over their team Wow, interesting. Uh, either either bring in a third team or bring their one. I mean, I, I will say first could and foremost, in, could you get in DeAndre Ayton to Atlanta to run with Trey, and then somehow either move Capella or Dejounte to destinations where they should be too? Uh, again, that that's the sort of thing where I feel like it could be a win 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 for all three teams. I I know that's so rare, and every team needs to trade and feel like they're fleecing another to even get to the table, which I hate. But I think that's that's a great move. And it's also, I, I mean, I, I know we talk about this all the time, but it's probably my favorite part about having these discussions with you. It's that, you know, I, I watch so much of the game and I have a gut instinct. And then you have such a handle on the salary cap and and the trade market and everything from bird rights to, to, ha- to who can be traded within six to 12 months, that it, it really adds a level where we take these gut feelings and and end up and I'm, I'm like, okay, now we're at the GM's table. This is actually the move. Send them right. a text message. The reason why I say Aiton for the Grizzlies is because Grizzlies are going to have trouble re-signing somebody. So if you bring in a Siakam, who's going to be a free agent next year, he's not going to stay in Memphis to be paired with JJJ and be the third four option on a team that could surprise with being there. Like That's not what Siakam's going to do. So if you bring in Aiton, who's locked in for three more beyond this, maybe he turns it around. And if you're in a buy-low situation where you also have the salary cap flexibility to absorb that contract right now because you could fit it in and then go over the cap, then like, whoa, we could keep all of the guys, bring in Aiton on the cheap, ship out Steven Adams' uh, injury plus like mid-size contract, have a little filler match something in there with a, a pick or two and bring in Aiton. 
it's it's such a good point and it can't be overstated how difficult it is for small market teams to keep and re-sign players siakam is an international dude he's repeatedly say he likes toronto like memphis's biggest draw is gus's fried chicken and that's not a siakam thing like you you need to know who you can attract you need to know how you can scheme with with trades and who can move on so that you can essentially trap players in your small market but so they should get yeah, Zion. I, yeah so they so so zion would be the best and the worst fit in the same in the same i would i i did try and <laughs> finagle a zion trade because i do think the pels are straight up better without him that's a conversation for another time av we have three more topics on the list incoming potential first time all-stars changes to the in-season tournament now that we're a month or so uh, removed or a little bit of rapid fire pick one because we are getting low on time yeah I, I honestly every time we talk it takes longer than we think because there's just so much to talk about but i, I i'm gonna start with the in-season tournament because i feel like the further we get from it finishing the, le- the least the less we relevant talk about it. exactly cool. and it we need to pat that on the back I, so you're you're probably we can do me. all-stars soon we can do all-stars next week and you know all- what i was thinking exactly. about recently we have the yeah. the classic all-star game that we play which will be the third annual I version on the pod Dude, I, I love it. I, I'm, I'm pumped to do that with the pod. I feel like other people are actually going to like that game too. It's a great way to watch with your friends. Even your friends that roll through that don't care as much about basketball sort of hooks them in. Yep. But we'll, we'll we'll go through all that closer to the All-Star game. So the, the prompt you gave me for the in-season tournament was what needs to change about the in-season tournament now that it's a month removed? And I feel almost guilty responding to it that way because it was such a success and I loved it so much. So the fact that I do have real things that I think were sort of a disaster about it and need to change, and I still think it was such a success, kind of speaks to how good it was. So my two main things are, first and foremost, the courts are garbage and it makes some of the games unwatchable. The the bright red and blue, it's like, I don't know if this is a mental problem I have or everyone has this or what, but I find myself watching the court instead of the game and it's maddening. It's It feels bootleg. It feels like I'm watching some like that random blue court that they play on in college or like that Oregon court where it's like trees on the court. I don't even watch college. The whole thing is a mess. So the fact that they survived that is incredible. And then the second thing that they need to change is they need to not host the semis and finals in Vegas because by far the best part about the in-season tournament for me was how fucking hype Indiana and some of these home courts were on a random Tuesday and Friday. I haven't heard. I have not heard anyone with that take. I feel so strongly about this. These games were so hype. I was watching them on the edge of my seat. These fans are going nuts. Like the players matter. You can feel that they're tense. They're fouling harder. It matters so much. And then you put them in Vegas where it's like no one has a dog in that fight. They don't have nearly that same feeling of playoff feeling and like get off my court. Like, dude, the Indiana... Boston game in Indiana uh, was was my favorite thing maybe all year that's happened so far. It's uh, I I love it. Um, so wow. so good for them for doing that at all. Um, I agree. I agree with the yeah. You have me convinced because you are right. And the Vegas boom. games were they were lackluster. It seemed like there was a decent yeah. Lakers contingency because I mean that's what's going to travel the most. But it wasn't anything special. Um, right. The, the the games before that were special. Let me tell you something. Oh, they were lit. Yeah. About those games before, this is a gambling podcast after all. There's a sneaky gambling angle that's going to start brewing over the next few years 
where the teams were trying to blow out their opponents for point differential statistics. And you can't price that into the favorite. So they're still pricing things at minus seven, minus nine, minus eight and a half or whatever for a nice like Celtics versus whoever game. And the truth of that is when the Celtics get up 17, they're going to want to get up 23. And when they're up 23, they're going to want to maintain the lead by 25. And when they get, it just doesn't stop. You don't have the the let up as much. They try and keep the leads. They try and build the leads. They'll score with one second left to go from up 27 to 29. And they're like, sorry, we know it's insulting, but we're going to do it anyways because the standings, I am going to start backing favorites in the right spots in the uh, playing games to the elimination stages of the in-season tournament. I don't know the right way to word that, but I think you get the point. Uh, those are real spots to back favorites. It's it's such a good point, and it's one of the biggest reasons that I don't think the score differential being the a deciding factor is going to last because there's been nothing else in basketball in the last X years that have changed the, the, the competitive strategy more than that rule. Even, even putting this in-season tournament in the middle of the season, and now you have teams playing like it's the playoffs and you're 15 games into the season, is not as big of a strategic change as adding the score differential where coaches are actually having meetings internally being like, this is new. We need to prepare for this. This matters where we end up. And it, it completely changes the end of the game. I, I like think for the better... Like I, I, as a fan, I love it. I think that because it's going to have an effect on betting and the NBA is cares about that more than they're willing to admit, especially given how new it is and going forward and how much money there is there, they're going to change it. They, they don't want wild cards. They want predictability. It's not something that's integral to the tournament where if you take it out, it ruins anything. It's It was sort of so new and wild and competitively changing that I, I don't think it lasts. Yeah. The one change that I would make is make the divisions that the teams are in what the groups are and make it the same every year. And I, I understand it'll, it'll ebb and flow in talent disparity. That's not the point that the fans really care about. We care yeah. less about the fairness of each division per last season's win records. Like that doesn't matter. Put Celtics, Nets, Knicks, 76ers, and Raptors in one of the divisions. Don't call it Group East A. Don't call it the Atlantic division for the in-season tournament. And that's how we start to rebuild the rivalries in a sense. Uh, thank you. Okay. It, it's amazing that we've actually found four really big, important changes that we didn't like. And we still love the in-season tournament. So that has to be said. But this it is was a great. huge... It was great. It was great. And we were we were so skeptical and it was great. So that I mean, that really tells you something. But it, they have to make that change that, that it was a perfect opportunity to reinvigorate these rivalries that all across the league are sort of fading because, you know, it, it's all the, the teams change so much. Completely meaningless. In, completely in. meaningless. This was their chance. So I, I'm so, so with you there. I don't care if that means that certain teams are going to be in weaker divisions and getting there year after year. I want to see those weaker teams and divisions hate those better teams and really show out and try and win in that in-season tournament, knowing it might be their only chance to win that whole season. All right, Austin. Rapid fire. I literally oh. only want a name. I do not want any explanation whatsoever. So I, I mean, I do. It's just in, in a matter of time. <laughs> pick to win it all. Nugs. Who's going to get first pick in the draft? 
Detroit, if for no other reason than, you know, if once you're bottom four, it's pure chance. And what's the point on speculating on lotto balls? Detroit. Pick for MVP. Joker. See my first answer. Most surprising team to miss the playoffs. Uh, I'm saying Atlanta, which is sort of a roundabout way of saying that I think the Lakers, Suns, and Warriors are all going to make the playoffs. Because obviously all three of those would be more shocking if they missed. And Atlanta is shocking to me because a lot of people had them in that, you know, four to eight range this year. And they have to be having internal conversations about pivoting to a, a full tank and get some picks, trade some people away. All right. We're going to keep note of that. In fact, Alec, we're going to bring in Alec right now. Introduce the new producer to check ball right here. Alec Bluestein, AB. We have AV and AB. Alec, first off, what's up? Welcome to the pod. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hello, everyone. Um, Can you remember austin's or write down austin's rapid fire answers somewhere so we could track these things as the season goes on because we're gonna fire some of these exact same questions i'm and i'll mix it up occasionally but we're gonna see how this changes over time pick to win it all pick for mvp surprise team to miss the playoffs yeah i got more nuggets joker towards the end um Alex, yeah, any, look, any, anything you want to just chime in on based on <clears throat> first check ball of 2024? Yeah, I mean, I thought it went great. I thought you guys both did a great job. Loved uh, a lot of the takes. I think for the in-season tournament, um, a lot of good, uh, like, what would-be changes there, too. I don't get why it was so compact. I think it should be stretched out more. Hmm. I get the idea was to, uh, you know, get more attention for the NBA when, during a time that's typically dominated by the NFL. And I think, you know, coming up right now, the NBA is picking up more steam, but we're about to get into NFL playoffs, Super Bowl, um, where all the attractions are going to be there. I think if we di- if they ended it, either wrapped it up either before, right before the NFL playoffs or right after the Super Bowl would be a great parlay into that or, you know, transition into the, uh, the height of the NBA season. Um, and then when you guys were talking about trades, uh, I want to see Alex Caruso get moved. I couldn't be nice. Uh, wow. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with a take about the, uh, the bulls just being who, who cares? It's just like an yeah. NBA black hole right now. And I think, uh, I think Caruso could be really impactful to uh, a contending team. So I'd love to see him, him get out of there. Uh, I mean, I, I love that. He, he has such an effect on winning that to be in, like we talked about a black hole purgatory must be maddening for him and almost doesn't make sense for the franchise to have him. Um, even he, if he does, does he have help more value, culture. does he have then more Levine, value than Levine on his contract? It's almost like you move them together, right? You know, you're, he does yeah, have more value right yeah. now. Yeah. Just based on the numbers. Right. And the contract length and the contract. Yeah. And yeah. so many teams need a defensive guard like that. I mean, uh, are the Lakers kicking themselves for, for blowing that opportunity to keep him yeah. there? I, yeah, they, that they trade replacement no white, but yeah. yeah um, yeah, I you know I heard the Celtics are considering bringing someone like him in too. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? Do there's every I'm defensive de- good guard I'm, I'm in the honestly, league? I'm dead serious. I I honestly thought you were kidding, and I was about to get mad about it because I I hate that the Celtics get everyone. So now I'm gonna get even more mad about it. Well, I don't understand. So like the 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 rules of like the salary cap and everything don't apply to them. They can just have everyone. That's cool. 
That's cool. They will swallow you on the perimeter with Derek White, Drew Holiday, Yeah, I would that's be skipping scary. that that's game. Scary if I was, yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. Derek White is a listener to the pod, and he's going to let me know that he's going to be upset that we skipped over potential first-time All-Stars. He's he's coming back. He's coming back in that conversation. Just, just to give you a sense of how humble he was when they were asking him if he thought he was an All-Star, his take was so lukewarm. Like, What did you know, he say? Like, I didn't I, see this. It was, it was something like, I guess, like, I'm playing well. There's a lot of guys on our team who'd be there above me. Like, it was I, – I respect how humble he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think he's doing enough this year. And a guy like Drew Holiday on the same team, and he's out playing him on both ends, sort of lets you know how valuable he is. Because everyone around the league for the last five years, you ask them who's the best defensive guard, even defensive player at times, they're saying Drew, just without, without fail, all of them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Alec is, is Derek White an All Star? Is he is he too fringe? I think you can make the argument he's the second most important player on that Celtics team. Wow! I think you can make that about Porzingis too, and, and like of and course you can make JB, the article about JB and probably yeah. Drew too. That's crazy. Yeah. You can't rely. Yeah, I mean, oh, they have so many so many good impactful guys. I that you can't you can rely on Derek White every night. I think there's a you know everyone's questioning is KP going to be healthy come April, but Derek White's just so been so good for them. Yeah, Derek Overall, White might so sneakily pop up in our discussion about who might be a fringe Team USA guy too. I think he's on the clear outside looking in, but if they're going to go very much role player with that 12 spot of like shooter plus defense, and they're thinking someone of the Mikael Bridges type of person, you could make the Derek White case. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to coming back to that conversation. Given how star power, how many stars there are that want on that team, it's just going to be too hard to put him on the right. team knowing that you would have a headline that says Derek White picked over Paul George, Devin Booker, whatever you want to say. And it's like, oh, that's unacceptable. So yeah. I, it's just too hard. But yeah. I think those are all locks. We will certainly have that discussion another time. Thank you all for tuning in to the first check ball of 2024. We will be back most weeks on the pod doing this on Mondays to check in. Uh, I think we're good here, right, fellas? More than good. First session down. I love the name. Way to have come with the notes, Alec. Dude, I'm, I'm pretty hyped right now. All right, fellas. Peace out. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.